welcome to the Families Voices podcast. Our podcast today is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The Family Voices podcast is a series of conversations with families of young children with a developmental delay or disability. We aim to build parents' knowledge, skills and confidence in navigating early childhood services and supports. The podcast is also an opportunity for families to share their stories. This podcast series is brought to you by Early Childhood Intervention Australia, VicTAS. We're a membership-based organisation that's proudly worked alongside families, practitioners and other organisations that provide supports for young children with disability or developmental delay and their families for over 35 years. To learn more about the podcast and our organisation, please visit ekiavic.org.au. Hello, my name's Kerry Bull and I'm joined today by Rahima. Hello, Rahima. So good to meet you. Hi, Kerry. Thank you so much for inviting me. Rahima, today we're wanting to hear about your family and you're wanting to share some of your thoughts and feelings about, about your family and about your son in particular. Perhaps you could take us back to when you first started worrying about your son's development. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. Yes, uh, thanks again for giving me the opportunity to talk about my family, especially about my son. So um, if I just want to take you back to when I was worried about my son, it was when he, he just turned two. And then um, because I've got three other children and, uh, you know, um, especially with the two older one, um, I was just... Uh, not trying to compare, but I was just seeing some uh, delays and some differences in his behavior and development. So I started being worried that, you know, I need to do some checkups. I need to talk to professionals to make sure that everything is fine. So he was, yeah, two years and two months or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those checkups and the professionals that you talked with, who, who did you go to? So... The first uh, people which I met was the maternal child health nurse. Uh, That's when I decided to talk to them uh, because I thought, you know, they are the professional people who are doing some assessments and, uh, you know, because they actually offered me as well. They said, if you have any concern, if you think um, there is anything wrong with your child, you know, we are more than happy to help you. So that's when I decided to discuss with them at the first. And then after that, we got involved to talk to different people. Yes. Okay. It's a good place to start with the maternal and child health nurse. That's right. Yeah. Where was... Was the nurse or any other professionals um, or other people in your in your family life concerned about his development as well? Um, with the other family members, honestly, I didn't really share my concern with anyone in the beginning. But uh, the maternal child health nurse, she suggested to do an assessment because um, I was raising my concern about his speech. He was not talking and he was not making any, like, you know, saying even a word. Mm-hmm. So that's why 
she just suggested to do some assessment to make sure um, everything is fine. Other than that, I didn't share with anyone else. So there was no other concern from somebody else. All right. So you raised your concern with the maternal and child health nurse and she I guess, confirmed that it was um, a good idea to get some further investigation to see what was happening. So you were worried about his speech that was not progressing as you'd expected, but you mentioned earlier that you were also worried about his behaviour. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was the speech because each time when I was visiting the nurse, she was um, telling me about child's development in every um, stage of his life and I just realized that you know in in his age he's supposed to say five to twenty words which he was not able to even say one word that's when I became concerned and slowly slowly after that when he was turning two and a half I could see some changes in his behavior as well because he was not very socialized he was not happy to be in um, you know places which is more noisy. And I just realized some other stuff which made me concerned as well. He was not interested in playing with toys at all. So mostly he was putting things in his mouth. He was shaking his hand. So he was making some uh, movements which uh, I was, you know, observing and thinking that this may not be normal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I became concerned and, you know, shared with the maternal child health nurse. Yes, yes. And Rahima, what did she then suggest about how you needed to investigate this further? Did she uh, refer you to the GP or who did you see next? Yes, definitely. So when I uh, discussed with the maternal child health nurse, she did an assessment first when we, when we visited her and then after based on that assessment she suggested to see a pediatrician So we visited this pediatrician um, for six or seven sessions. And that's when she referred us to the um, pediatrician at public system. Uh So um, after that, the journey just started and we needed to do a lot of tests and a lot of appointments and for follow-ups. Yes, I understand. And, And how did you learn then about what to do next to get the services and supports to get the assessment done, Rahima? Uh, this is actually a long story. So if I wanted to start that, how I learned, uh, it is very, uh, sometimes I just sit and um, not laugh, but I just smile that, you know, how far I came. Because honestly, in the beginning, I didn't know anything. Um, I, I was just thinking that, you know, everything is fine. But, you know, um, sometimes I would sit back and and think that no there is something wrong so I should do something you know but um, I had my husband beside me and all the time he was um, you know telling me that there is nothing wrong you should not be worried you know it is all normal he's going to be okay he's going to grow out of it Uh, so that's why I was just kind of 50-50 I was not really sure do I have to listen to my husband and to my mom or other people around me, like close family and friends, or do I have to listen to the professionals? Mm -hmm. But um, it was very challenging in the beginning. Um, You know, as I said, it was 50-50, but I decided to do some research myself. Um, So I started talking to different people, talking to professionals and listen to them. And they were sending me links about autism, but, you know, they were not, it was not confirmed yet. 
but they were just giving me some suggestion to read this stuff, to make myself ready, because they knew that it might be autism, but they were keep telling me that you need to do further testing. Yes. So, so I did some research. I talked to different people, like, you know, the people who had experience, who had children with autism. And then that time it was developmental delay for my child, uh, not autism yet. But um, he had a lot of signs which could, you know, prove that he, he has autism. Mm, mm. Yeah. So people started talking about autism at that early stage uh, when he, uh, before he had his diagnosis. Exactly. Um, and you said you talked to other parents. How did you find those <laughs> other parents? How did you find people to talk with about it? So after a two and a half year old, because, uh, you know, my son was getting worse in terms of his behavior and uh, the language delay that he had. So I was able to get funding and then start some um, um, sessions with uh, a key worker. Mm -hmm. So the key worker would come to home and visit my child and work with him. Uh, to improve his speech. Um, if there would be any need for OT to be involved, she could invite an OT. So that's when I started uh, the journey. So I became familiar with uh, the key worker and I uh, made that relationship and connection with her. That's when she uh, introduced me to another parents. And, uh, you know, slowly, slowly we become uh, friends. And then we were in touch. If I had any question, I could get, just give them a call and they would ask me questions. So that's when I created a small group of uh, friends around myself that I, they could understand me and I could understand them. Mm -hmm. what, a, what a valuable uh, connection to make. So it was other families that you were uh, meeting and talking with about a whole range of issues related to your son's development. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah. And through those friendships that you were making, you were learning more about um, autism that was starting to be discussed at that point. Definitely, yeah. Because um, after um, uh, getting involved with um, pediatricians and the public system to do a lot of testing and the long wait time um, during these appointments, I decided to... Um, you know, get in touch with people to make sure if my child is familiar with their child, if it's matching, uh, you know, if my child's behavior uh, or the delays is are matching to uh, their children. So I was curious. I wanted to know more to be able to support my child. So that's when um, we become um, closer to each other with me and the other parents. And that's when I um, learned a lot because, um, you know, that time I was kind of in, in denial. I was not accepting. But, you know, talking this, to these parents, seeing them very um, confident, very active and very, you know, um, advocating for their children, I become um, strong as well. I become a person who could accept this, who could understand more because, that time I didn't have any idea. I didn't have, I didn't know about autism, but talking to these parents made me to understand more, to accept it and to do things towards, you know, being able to support my child. So that's when I, you know, I just started the journey to um, make more friends, to read more about autism. 
And then because of this long journey of waiting and meeting different professionals such as OT, uh, pediatrician, um, I uh, kind of accepted that, um, okay, this is autism, this is serious, this is something which I have to do something about it. Mm. Yeah, so mm. that's the way that I just created this, <laughs> um, you know, um, friendship and journey and the group of people around me. Yes, that group of people around you who uh, could help you with your thirst for knowledge at that time. You said you were curious and, and eager to learn uh, about autism. And uh, also it sounds to develop friendships, a group of people who um, you could share your stories with. That's right, because I could see, you know, after talking to those uh, people, to those parents, they're more understanding. Uh, they are more patient to listen to me. They're giving me an advices which is going to work for my child. They are more experienced. So that's when I started trusting them. That's when I started talking to them more. And whenever I, I'm curious or have questions, go back to them and ask something. Mm-hmm. So, Rahima, this is where you started learning about autism from from your friends and uh, you you mentioned the internet earlier. How how else did you go about learning about autism at that stage? Um, As I said in the beginning, um, you know, I didn't have any idea about autism. So I was in denial because... um, I I never heard of autism before, so I thought you know autism autism is something um, which is you know it was something very heavy for me and my family, so that's why I was keep trying to deny it to not accept it. But slowly, slowly after doing some research, talking to different people, I just realized that you know this is. Um, not a, a, a bad thing and I can't deny it anymore if I'm not accepting it so how I'm going to learn about it um, so through the internet I, I was able to do some research to you know find a group of people on Facebook so that's when I realized it's not just me there are a lot of people there are a lot of parents who have children with autism and autism is not a bad thing because uh, before I didn't know about autism, all the time I was thinking, oh, autism might be something which the child is, um, you know, mentally disabled. But after doing a lot of research, I found that, you know, this is some neurological um, the changes in the brain. Um, so then I was able to, you know, find some services. I was able to find professional people and I was able to find some other parents who are similar um, um, to my situation right. and you know when you find someone who understand you who are similar in your situation they are they are the best people who can help you because you know the people who comes out of the your situation or don't have any knowledge about it um, you know they can't help you so they may make you more stress in a state so that's how I was able to learn things, how I was able to find people and the support group. Mm. Rahima, that's so insightful of you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. You mentioned that you'd never heard of autism. Is there a word for autism in your first language? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, honestly, 
No, there is no word. Um, autism is um, a very, very new word. Um, this, I never heard of autism before, uh, not just me. Um, I could say my whole community. We never heard of autism before. And uh, this is something which... Um, um, which is very new. So it needs a lot of research. It needs a lot of, uh, you know, encouragement for especially those parents who have children with autism um, to do, you know, to do some research, to know, to have knowledge about it, to be able to support their children. Yes. So no, this is something very new. There is no word. There is, I could say, there is no support about autism. Yeah. Mm. So no word for autism in your first language, but also uh, not supports. So we might talk a little bit more about that too. You really had to uh, move beyond your community to find people uh, that could support you with better understanding your child's behaviour and development. Exactly. So there is no word, there is no support, there is no professional. Um, this is something new. So that's why you know, people in my community, they don't have any understanding about, about autism. And they, you know, they keep thinking that everything is fine. It's just a language delay by, you know, their, their children just grow up. So they may become better. But, um, you know, but this is wrong. Uh, I think you know you should do some more research. You should seek um, uh, for help. You should seek for services around you, uh, because this is not something which the child could uh, you know get better. But you know when there is services available, so there might be chances of even a quicker um, uh, solution, quicker solution for um, for the children to come out of the, that uh, delay. For example, if there is any behavior issue, if there is any language delay, you know, there are a lot of services available. But, you know, back home, there was nothing, no professional. The doctors would not understand what's autism. Uh, there is no um, resources available. So it's very unfortunate. Um, and uh, unfortunately, people could easily stop the child as a disabled person. Um, so, you know, they would feel sympathy for the person who have autism. And even now, um, here, most of people, they don't understand what is autism because there is no resources available in our language uh, for people to, to read, to, you know, to understand, to do some research about it. And because English is our second language, I think it makes harder when you have resources available in English. Yes. but not in your own language. Yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. why people, they don't understand what is autism. And perhaps that's why you're also so willingly coming to uh, do this podcast with us, Rahima, to <laughs> share your story and uh, help yeah. other people with their understanding of autism and, and developmental delay. Yeah, I'm so glad that you invited me for this podcast because I wanted to raise my voice. I wanted to raise awareness and, you know, bring some knowledge for not just uh, uh, the, the parents who have children with autism, to, to the whole community about autism, you know, do some research. Um, autism is not a bad thing. Uh, you can you can be a professional person if you want, you know, by doing some research, asking for help, talking to different people and get some knowledge to be able to support your child or even the children around you who have autism. I think it's very important for the whole society to have uh, understanding about autism because 
if they have understanding, they would be able to help uh, not just the child, the parent as well, because um, I think it's very important for the parent to be supported by people around them, um, you know, they are struggling, the parents are struggling as well, and not just the child, um, when they, they deal with the ch children with autism. So it's very challenging so that the parents of children who have um, autism need a lot of support and encouragement as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for raising your voice as you say about this. It's really great to hear your, your perspective. Thanks, Rahima. Thank you. Kerry. Can we can we go um, back to that period when you were getting the diagnosis? Can you tell us about um, what you were thinking and feeling when you got the diagnosis from the pediatrician? Oh yeah, so um, I just uh, got my child's diagnosis uh, nearly four months ago. It's not too long, but it was a very painful and uh, long period of time for me to wait to get this diagnosis. So I have been waiting for the public um, pediatrician for a long time. And then I decided to go to uh, private because I have been waiting for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so finally, when I got the diagnosis, um, it was so difficult. So if I want to describe the day when I got the diagnosis, uh, it's it's really hard for me um, because, you know, on the day... Um, me, my husband, and my child, when we went there, so the pediatrician um, immediately told me that, you know, even if I don't do the, the assessment, I, by my observation, I could tell you that your child has autism. And that's when he um, wrote a letter for us to confirm that the formal diagnosis. So it's it wasn't just uh, um, autism. He has a few other diagnoses as well, such as uh, Oh, um, oppositional defined disorder and severe language language delay, and he may need an assessment for intellectual disability as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that was very difficult. So you know, I could not stop crying on that day yes. uh, because you know I could be worried a lot about his future, and then I I just realized that you know what like you know how it happened why it happened so there was a lot of whys in my mind yeah. and how I can fix this how long yeah. it's going to take so that's that's why it was uh, making harder for me to accept it yes yes all those questions about the what ifs and the whys and yes. and then what do I do next yes. what support did you get from other people at that time Rahima uh, I was able to um, get um, an extra OT because when the pediatrician suggested, um, uh, you know, to have uh, more services involved, more people involved. So I tried to get in touch with different organizations such as Amaze, um, yeah, Play Therapy, you know, and a lot of other organizations who are supporting children with autism. But he's getting some support through a fortnightly key worker and uh, uh, play therapy person as well so he's attending play therapy weekly as well and you've had that key worker for quite some time the key yeah. workers with you before he had the diagnosis yeah he still has that key worker so the key worker is still coming and visiting um, him every fortnight uh-huh uh -huh. yeah. and um daycare does he go to childcare or um, he's attending um, um, the kinder program at um, 
um, a special school. Um, so he's going there for three days and two other days he's um, attending a childcare center. And again, the kinder area in that center, he has been attending this childcare center nearly two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. So all the staff, all the educators know my son and then they are very, you know, very supportive. They are very um, understanding because they have been working with my son for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you had some uh, professionals who you'd been working with for some time who wrapped some support around that time as well. That's right, yeah. Rahima, how did you decide who to share the diagnosis with? Uh, it was um hard decision in the beginning. <laughs> it was a hard decision because, um, as I said, in the beginning I was in denial, so... Even if somebody could ask me that why your child is not talking, I was getting angry. I was so emotional. I could not hide my emotions. And, you know, if I was in a group of people, I could leave. And I was getting upset because um, I was, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, my child is five now. He's not talking. And I could not blame them because that was a very normal question. But, you know, I was getting very offended and and, um, upset. I don't know why. I was so um, sensitive. Uh, So then I decided to share with my close family members because I thought, you know, I'm meeting them every day. They have the right to, um, you know, to know about it. They they should they should know about it to be able to support me and my child. Uh, So that's when I decided to talk to my mom, sister and my brothers. Um, And then, yeah, so one day I just went there and I said, you know, that that's uh, after getting the diagnosis, it just made things much easier because that's when I was a bit more confident to say that now I've got the diagnosis. But before that, because I was in denial myself, so I was not sharing that. But yeah, after getting the diagnosis, I was able to go and share with them. Yes. Uh, Was that helpful, Rahima, in terms of sharing it with family and being able to uh, have their support? Yes, uh, it was actually very helpful. So before that, you know, my family, they are uh, very supportive. Uh, They would um, understand they could not ask me any question because they knew that, you know, I'm sensitive. But, you know, by me going to them and telling them about the diagnosis and asking for their help and support, I think that made things much easier for them and made them more confident to be able to ask me questions and to know more about my child, to be able to support me and my child. Yes, yes. And you had a role then in helping them to understand autism and to understand more about your son. That's right. Yeah, because uh, earlier when I mentioned that, you know, autism is something really new for us, uh, for the whole community. When I had a child with autism, I needed to do research. I needed to know more about it. So I thought, you know, it's good to pass this information to those people around me. Mm. So when I did some research, I I become more calm and uh, less sensitive 
more understanding. I thought I can pass these feelings, this um, you know, knowledge to other people as well. So it may help them to understand me and my child. So whenever I was um, getting some information, I was sending links to you know my family members, to my brother, sister. They could read it. They could you know um, understand. They could. Um, yeah, or even when they had some information, they could pass it to me as well. And whenever when we get together, um, we could talk about things like, you know, there is some support available. Um, you know, what what are you up to at the moment? And what kind of support are you getting? So they would give me some suggestion and advices, which is going to work for my child because then they have the knowledge, they have the understanding. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I started, you know, passing this information to them. Yes. Rahima, earlier in our conversation, you said that thinking about autism felt very heavy for your family. Does it still feel heavy? Um, if I would say heavy, it's in a different perspective mm -hmm. uh, so that was different so that time when I'm saying heavy it meant that you know it was I was not accepting it but now I do accept it it is still hard because um, you know you have to deal with a lot of uh, um, therapies, a lot of people, you get stressed, you, you have, there are a lot of pressure on you, um, you know, but I'm, I'm so uh, glad that I have got the diagnosis now, mm -hmm. because I know my path, I know my way, um, I know what to do, but before I was so confused, mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do. Now I know where I need to go. So I've got professionals around me who are suggesting and giving me some options, yeah. uh, which makes things much easier for me. But I do have to make phone calls every day. I do have to talk to a lot of people, you know, during the week many times. So that's why it's still heavy. But, you know, having the diagnosis made it much easier and lighter for me. Yes, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, Rahima. So it's made it lighter, and you said it's also helped you know your path, you have a direction. That's um, right. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's so important for us all, isn't it, to, to have that? Yes, definitely. Rahima, why did you want to share your story with us all today? Uh, I was waiting for this question. <laughs> <laughs> this is so nice um, because I think... Um, if I come forward and share my story, um, it may just make other people, other parents uh, from different communities uh, more confident, able to, uh, you know, more confident to be able to come and share their story too. I know there are a lot of people who have stories, but they're not feeling confident to come and talk about it. Uh, so I was one of them as well myself. But, you know, slowly, slowly, I become strong. I thought, you know, it's good to talk about it. It's good to raise awareness. It's good to talk to people about it. So, you know, it's, I'm so glad to be able to come to this uh, podcast and talk and, you know, share my story. I hope my story is going to make some other people and more confident enough to come and talk about their story as well. Mm -hmm. And then maybe my story is going to help some parents to learn something because I know there might be a lot of uh, families who are struggling, who are, you know, trying to learn things. 
So I was one of them myself. But today I feel, you know, proud that, you know, I'm able to learn about things. So I hope, uh, you know, my story is going to make a small movement or bring a small confidence in some of the uh, families. Mm. Rahima, I'm sure it will. Um, <laughs> we are so grateful for you uh, in raising your voice in in your strength and, and sharing your story. Before we finish up, is there anything else you'd like to talk with us about? Mm, thank you so much, Carrie. There's nothing much I could think about, but um, you know, uh, I would like to say thank you so much to you and your team for you know um, organizing this kind of uh, podcast. I think nowadays with the social media and technology, uh, this podcast and this information on media is very helpful. So it's easy to listen. It's easy to find. So I really thank you and your team. Oh no, I I thank you, uh, Rahima. I. I appreciate so much uh, the conversation we've had. It's been a, an absolute pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I found Rahima's experience with lack of support when she was first worried about her son's development really troubling. Rahima found it hard to find supports that were accessible in her community or culturally appropriate. But what incredible strength and determination Rahima showed as she built a group of parents and professionals around her in order to understand more about her son's development and get the support and information she needed. Her determination led her to early intervention services, support from a key worker and educators at childcare, and eventually a diagnosis of autism for her son. But there's not a word for autism in Rahima's first language. So there was much to interpret both for herself and her family when she talked with them about her son's diagnosis and future needs. I'm so interested in how people think, feel and talk about children with a developmental delay, disability or autism. We bring a diversity of cultures, experiences, values and beliefs to our attitudes and understandings. Talking with a colleague in New Zealand recently, she told me that the Maori word for autism is takiwatanga, and it means in their own time and space. That seems so positive, respectful and accepting to me. Perhaps a way of thinking about children thriving given the right time and space. Isn't this what we want for all children, a belief that they can thrive? Although they are limited, there are some great supports for families of children with developmental delay or disability from cultural and linguistically diverse backgrounds. The Victorian Cooperative on Children's Services for Ethnic Groups, or VICSEG as it's often referred to, is a community organisation in Victoria that provides services, including weekly playgroups for families from a range of cultural backgrounds. There are similar supported playgroups run through Playgroup Australia, and their state and territory organisations. Raising Children Network, Association for Children with Disability and the Early Childhood Partners of the National Disability Insurance Scheme are also good places to find out about culturally appropriate services and supports. Rahima's inspired me to learn more 
and do more about making services and supports for children and families from diverse cultural backgrounds more accessible and appropriate and to also deepen my understanding of different attitudes and beliefs. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Family Voices. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast app and feel free to leave a review to help us gain more of an understanding of what types of conversations are helpful to you. More information about the podcast can be found on ekiavik.org.au. Until next time, thank you for listening.